You're listening to the Grieving Together Show, a podcast that journeys through grief with individuals, couples, and families who've experienced the loss of someone that they love. Hi, my name is Kelly Bro, co-founder of Redbird Ministries, a pro-life, pro-family, Catholic grief support ministry located in the Diocese of Lafayette, Louisiana. I'm sitting down today with grieving families who have been impacted by loss, asking specific questions. How they found healing and hope in the middle of the storm, the lessons they learned, and tips we can all use to survive loss while staying close to our faith. I encourage you to lean in and allow God to love you through our words and take to heart what these incredible families have endured and how they have rise above their suffering. We hope you enjoy today's show. Today's podcast features Kim Erickson and her book, Surviving Sorrow, A Mother's Guide to Living with Loss. When Kim's three-year-old son tragically passed away, she found plenty of resources on grieving. She says what she really needed, though, was someone who could give her advice for living, not just grieving. How do I get through the grocery store without crying? What do I do with my son's things? When will my mind stop replaying the emergency room scene? Now, 10 years later, she's written that book. With raw vulnerability, a deep well of wisdom, and the practical knowledge of someone who's been there. She walks grieving moms through the life after death process from how to plan the funeral, to how to deal with friends, family, holidays, and birthdays. This is a profound and powerful resource that is invaluable for the mom who has lost a child and for her friends and family who want to love her well. So please help me welcome Kim Erickson. All right, so Kim, hey, I want to thank you for joining us today, and um, I just wanted to give you the opportunity to uh, share with us about your book that's going to be released in March and about your story and how your faith um, healed your heart from grief. So just welcome and thank you for joining us. Thank you. Yes, exciting. I'm happy to be here, and I'm excited about the book coming out, even though it was a definitely a, a labor of struggle, as I know you can imagine, and many of uh, the folks listening can imagine. It was not not something I ever wanted to write, but the Lord is going to use it. I believe it. So thanks for having me. You're welcome. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm just going to go through a couple of questions and wherever this conversation goes, just, we are going to be open to it. So uh, the first question I just wanted to ask you is that you wrote um, Surviving Sorrow and um, I wanted to share with you also that I'm about to publish a book too. And my my um, just appreciation and um, heartfelt um, love for you to say this out loud and to share your heart in a book because it was the most hard aside from losing my children it was the hardest thing that I've ever had to do was to relive every step of that journey and just how my brain had kind of suppress some of these memories, Um, but God was like, no, you need to bring this to the light. And he was constantly during that journey, just opening these wounds. So um, just share with, just share with us. Before you go on, let me ask, when does the book come out? I know it says 2020, but when is, I'm not really sure right now. We're working on the cover. Okay. We've done, um, it's being uh, typeset, I guess that's what it's called. Yeah. First time I've ever done anything like this. I know this is only number two for me. So we're in the same boat. (laughs) We're rookies. Yes, absolutely. So I'm hoping, um, sometime maybe in the summer that we'll be able to, to get it released. So great. Well, I don't even know what the next step is. I'm just like, okay, what we do next. (laughs) (laughs) You pray, you just keep praying. But that's, uh, it is, it, it is very hard. So I'm, I'm proud and gracious and, and grateful for you also joining, um, you know, the realm of putting it out there in words and putting it out there in a book. So 
moms who really don't feel like having a conversation, right? Like there's so many days when I really didn't want to talk to anybody. And so a book, you know, can be really helpful in drawing someone closer to God, even when she's really mad. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And what I found was, is that sometimes people have, they struggle with knowing what is going on in their heart and how they're, they're grieving. And it's like, when you put it, when you put words to it, just like name your name, when your name is spoken, something profound happens. And I find sometimes that when they just read it, it's like, okay, I get it. I understand. And then I'm able to bring that to God. Whereas before it's like, you're just kind of swimming in that dark sea and just not understanding what's going on. Yeah, sure. And shutting it off. Kind of like you said, like just suppressing it, you know, cause you gotta, you gotta go on, right? You have other kids, you have life, you have a husband, you, you've got to, you got to pick it up and go on. And so I think you're right about that, that the shutting it off and the kind of setting it uh, aside is, is one of the ways uh, that we cope with it. So, yeah. All right. Um, so tell us about Austin. Tell me about your little, your little beautiful boy. <laughs> Austin was wild. Um, he really was a, we called him the tornado uh, and my younger, the baby, we called the tank because he was slow and steady. Ethan, you couldn't, you couldn't really bother him, but Austin was like just all crazy and, um, super energetic and all boy and, um, super funny. Like he already had like a funny sense of humor and, um, kind of a challenging spirit where, um, you know, so he was, um, just three years old and 10 days when he passed, but man, did he pack it in. <laughs> like he, he really um, had lots of energy and uh, we just had so much fun. We waited so long to have kids. And then we got this bright little shiny thing that was just a hoot. He was, <laughs> it was just so much fun. He would eat anything. He would do anything. He would say anything. He just really was. Um, some, one of our friends said of him that he took up all the space in the room, you know, he was like that kind of kid yeah. uh, where Ethan kind of hangs in the background a little bit, you know? Um, so that was our Austin. And he was, um, gosh, he was just so much fun. Like he really was just a hoot, a little, you know, as boys, you know, rowdy, fun, ornery boys are like, you have your moments, right? Where he's, he's being strong willed, but for the most part, he was just, he was just a hoot. It was a lot of fun it's for sure. Fun. Yeah. So uh, share with us what happened uh, to Austin and um, how you've joined this really, uh, we call it the Ugly Shoe Club. You know, (laughs) you have your own pair of shoes that no one ever wants to walk in, but just share with us what happened to Austin. Well, um, you know, uh, let me me start back like a couple of months before that because it weaves so beautifully into the story. So at the time, my husband and I were just living our lives. Um, I was a lawyer in a, in a big fancy law firm in Phoenix. And, and, you know, I really just thought I had everything. I had everything I had ever dreamed of. Um, Financially, I was secure. I had this husband that was so, I loved him. We had these two beautiful boys and I just thought, you know, I was so grateful. I really truly was so very grateful. And my husband and I would often say, you know, we're so blessed, you know, like good things happen to us and we're just because we're blessed. But really at that time in our lives and really most, really all of my life, I, God really had no part in it. I, I never thought about God. I didn't, at that time, I didn't pray. I didn't go to church. Um, I really had kind of just you know, not done that. My parents brought me to church and I went through all the sacraments up to confirmation and, you know, but then when it was time for like me to really make the choice of whether I was going to go to, go to mass, I was like, nah, and I just didn't. And, um, so we had these two beautiful boys and one day, um, my husband and I were talking, I thought, gosh, I do want them to have faith. Like, I do want them to believe in God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Devin was like, yeah, me too. You know, he had gone to church as a kid too. And so we decided that I would shop for churches and he would stay home with the boys and, you know, we would try to find the church to go to. And so that process had started. And, um, but, you know, I'd only been to this one church that I thought was going to be the right church for us. And I said, so when I came home on that Sunday, 
And so it was a Sunday and I came home and I said, I think I found a church. Um, what I really said was, I think I might have found a church I can tolerate. <laughs> so those were my words. I can't take them back. Like I said it. Yes. Um, but that gives you an idea of where I was, right? Like I was just looking for a place that I wouldn't feel too uncomfortable with. Right. Um, and so Devin said, okay, well, um, next Sunday we'll go as a family. Um, we'll take the boys and we'll go. And I'm like, okay. And Monday, Austin ran a fever. And so we kind of let that go through Monday, but you know, we still had the fever Tuesday morning and it was getting pretty high. And so Tuesday he went to the doctor, he was diagnosed with strep throat, um, given the wrong antibiotics, you know, something that he was allergic to. Uh, so then we had to circle back and redo that and get the new antibiotics on Tuesday. Um, and then Wednesday night. And so meanwhile, I'm working like a dog at this, at this firm and I had a big week. And so I really was at work 12, 13, 14 hours of the day. And my husband and our nanny, Miss Alma was really taking care of, um, Austin and Ethan. And, but I got home late Wednesday night and his, he was so hot when I went to check on him, when I got home from work, it was probably about midnight. And, um, he was so hot and his breathing was like, <sighs> like this kind of really ragged breathing. And I remember the, the nurse on the phone when we were dealing with the antibiotics had said, you know, if his, if he doesn't get better, you know, if his fever stays, stays high, if he has trouble breathing, if he has a bunch of saliva around his mouth, like all of those are danger signs. And so I was like, that's it. Like he's hot, uh, still by now we're 24 hours on antibiotics. Like he's still running a fever and he's breathing this really loud sound. And so I woke him up and I woke Devin up and said, I'm going to take Austin to urgent care where there was this pediatric urgent care down the street. And, um, and Devin was going to stay home with the baby. So Ethan was sound asleep. And so Austin and I went to urgent care and, um, we probably spent uh, four minutes in urgent care and um, said, he's fine. And I was like, but wait, you know, I remember like this doctor's like walking out the door and I was like, wait, um, you know, the nurse told me to look for this and look for this. And what about his breathing? And he's keeps wiping his, you know, on his jammies, you know, he kept wiping his mouth and she really just said, no, that's, his give the medicine time to work. Um, his lungs are clear. The breathing just sounds loud and he's just not swallowing because his throat hurts. So that's why he's wiping his mouth. And I was like, okay. Um, but in my gut, this is what I, this is why I'm telling this in such detail because in my gut, like I was like, one, mm, you didn't take enough time with us, like to even do anything. Um, and so I just knew in my gut, I was like, this, this is not right. You know, like something was off, but she said, you know, it's not better. See your pediatrician in the morning. And I was like, what are we to do? Right. The doctor says he's fine. Go home. So that's what we did. I'll tell you, that's, that's not what I would do anymore. <laughs> um, for, for parents out there listening. Um, but that's what we did. And so in the morning, Devin didn't even try to make an appointment. He just took Austin to the pediatrician and sat there and said, he needs to see a doctor. Like he's not eating, he's not drinking, he's not peeing, he's not pooping, he's still running a fever. Like, and uh, he saw a doctor who said virtually the same thing. Like, don't, don't panic, it's just strep throat. Um, you gotta give the medicine time to work. Um, and she prescribed Tylenol with codeine to take the pain away from his throat so that he would, we could get some fluids down him okay, you know, that's, that's what, you know, Devin went to the store and got more popsicles and more Gatorade and, and we got this Tylenol with codeine and, you know, and Thursday night I got home probably around seven and tried to get some Rice Krispies, you know, like really soft, mushy Rice Krispies uh, into him. And he just, the, the codeine made him so, you know how codeine makes you feel so floppy, right? Like, uh, and I just was like, Oh my goodness, something is not right. When they say you have that mother's instinct, I believe it. I believe God gave it to us and we have it, a mother's instinct. I knew 
something is wrong. This kid's a tornado, like strep throat. He's had it before. Like it didn't even knock him sideways. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's my tornado. And there he sat so floppy. Um, but I really, we thought it was the codeine and you know, my husband, and I looked at each other and we said, my gosh, you know, what do we do? And, you know, we said, well, he's been to the doctor three times in three days. Like he was just there less than 12 hours ago. Like, so we didn't, we, I tucked him in bed and, you know, that night he woke up like in the middle of the night and he wanted to brush his teeth. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Maybe just my chance to talk to him really. And so, um, I, it was time for him to have more medicine and I tucked him into bed and he just had a sweet moment. Um, and then I, like I said, I was, I had big deadlines at work. And so about six o'clock I checked on him. He's still was really ragged breathing. Um, checked on the baby, kissed my husband, went to work. Um, and then I got that call, you know, that we've all, um, gotten that we don't want to ever get, um, that the ambulance was at our house and the nanny was screaming and come home and yeah. And so that's, we got the call and he, he did not make it. He never, I mean, they did transport him to the hospital, but, um, yeah, we lost Austin that day, but I will tell you, I don't know how much more to go on, Kelly. I'm sorry. I'm kind of going on, but this is like a critical kind of point in our story um, is that, you know, as I'm driving, so I get this call at work, right? And I've got like a 30 minute drive um, to the other side of Phoenix. And, um, and my, luckily somebody from my work, like jumped in the car with me and said, well, I'll drive you, you know, you can't drive. And um, we're flying down this highway and, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't even think to pray. It didn't, it didn't occur to me. Here I am, the ambulance is at my house. My nanny is screaming, Austin, ambulance. And I run out, I get in the car and I don't even think to pray. Like that's how far away from God I was. I mean, it's astounding to me now. It brings, oh, it hurts my heart. It brings tears to me every time I say it, that I didn't even think to cry out to God. Whew. That's just so far from where I am today. Like today, getting this necklace on, I was crying out to God, help me get this <laughs> necklace on. Right? And so it's so different from my life now. But at that time, I, it didn't even occur to me to pray. But what I did do was like, I, I had a 30-minute drive. I just, I was like crying out in my head like every mom would, I think. You know, I was just like, oh my gosh, Austin, can you hear me? Austin, can you hear me? You know, not out loud because my somebody from work was right next to me and I wasn't going to be crazy, right? Yeah. Like I wasn't going to lose it. Uh, and so in my head, I am screaming for Austin. And can you hear me? Can you feel me? I'm coming. I'm coming. You stay, you fight. You hear me? Like, can you hear me fight? I'm almost there. And, and then uh, there's just, I wish there were words. Uh, when I'm screaming this, I, something washes over me, Kelly, like something I am still to this day you know, 12, almost 13 years later, I can't describe, but it was so wonderful. Like it felt so amazing. Like all of a sudden I felt amazing and everything just stopped. Um, and I, you know, I don't know what this was, but deep, deep in my soul, I feel like I heard Austin say, but mom, it's so pretty here. Cause I was crying for him to stay, right? You stay here, you fight, you wait. I am almost there. You fight. Do you hear me? Um, and it was like, whoosh, but mom, it's so pretty here. And all I could say was, okay. I mean, that's how good it felt, right? Yeah. Like how good it does it have to feel for you to tell your three-year-old, okay, stay there. Like I knew he wanted to stay there. It was said with longing, like, please let me stay here. Like at the park, right? <laughs> like, please let me stay here. It's so awesome. That, and the way that I felt, I just knew it. I knew it was heaven. It felt like a real place. Like someday I could hop a plane and go there. Like it felt like, you know, like somewhere I could go. Like it's, it was concrete and it was awesome. And so I said, okay, okay. But from that moment, I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that heaven is real. Heaven is real. 
and it's beyond anything we can dream up in our heads. It's beyond any words that I could try to put together to explain to you what it just felt like. You know, I didn't see anything. I didn't hear the audible voice of God, but I think he allowed me a little glimpse of how amazing it's going to be. And really now these days, I think he allowed me to hear it in kind of Austin's voice because he knew I didn't know his voice, right? Like today, I know what his voice sounds like. I know what the Holy Spirit feels like in my soul. But at that time, I, I think God just reached me the only way he knew I would be able to hear it in that moment. And so, you know, it hasn't happened since. Um, I don't think I can, you know, speak to the dead or anything. I know it's a little <laughs> controversial out there. Um, I don't believe any of that. I just believe in that moment, God rescued me. The only way I could have heard it. So that's a very long answer to your question. <laughs> so beautiful. Can you still hear me? Yes, I can. Okay. I just wanted to make sure because I unplugged something by mistake. And <laughs> no, that's so beautiful, Kim. I, totally, I, 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 I totally can see that God uses what he has, you know, and if he wouldn't have used Austin's voice, like you said, like that was his only way of getting. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, in those moments of despair, like we, when we, when we can't see him or we can't feel him, but, and I know that's one of the things, like just the promises, like he always promises, even though we don't see, even though we don't feel him and we know that he's near, he promises us that he will be. And that was, that was how he was able to, to connect to your heart through that yeah. suffering. Yeah. And I think he knows how stubborn I am, right? Like I, how stubborn I had been. Like I needed like a two by four uh, to, to, to know that he was there. And, um, and he gave it to me. How sweet is that? You know what I mean? Like he could have left me there. He could have left me there because I had rejected him. I knew about him. I was taught about Jesus, you know, um, but I had rejected him, but he didn't leave me there. And, um, so, you know, Absolutely. when it came time to write the book, I was like, I don't really want to, but when I think about what he did for me, right? Like, and I had to, I had to finally agree <laughs> to, to write the book to help other moms. But, um, I always, man, I, tell, I always tell God, like, thank goodness you don't give up on your children because I couldn't have handled me as a, I just think about like a wild teenager, just doing everything, rebelling and just, just being so, I don't know, sassy to God. <laughs> and yes. that's how I was in my grief. Like just, you know, how you leave me, like just, just, just totally disregard him and his love, but yep. he never stops pursuing us. Can you believe I, it? I, I know I can't believe it. And when, but when you look at it backwards, it's like, you never left me. Yeah. All those moments, I never saw you there. Right. Right. And that, you know, I think, I think it's hard to believe. I think for some people who are maybe heavy, heavy right now in their grief that, that eventually or someday or some moment, well, you will feel it. Right. And I mean, I think I definitely went through times even after that, right. Where I, where I wasn't sure if he was there. Um, and I was like you a little bit. I'm always sassy with him. Uh, I think maybe as I didn't know any better either. But um, I had these promises. I had a brand new Bible. And, um, you know, and and so I was like, hey, wait, you said, you know, just like any kid says to their parents, right? You said that I was going to get this, right? And so I really was sassy with him too. So I'm glad to hear you say that. <laughs> Oh, I definitely was sassy. <laughs> and I think that, I think because I just didn't accept it made my, it, I grew spiritually astronomically because I wasn't, I wasn't just willing to accept. I asked all the questions and, and he answered them, not in my way. Of right. course, that was the hard part is that I had to accept what my story was and come to terms and just love him for who he was and not what he 
did for me. You know, God is not a vending machine where you put your money in and you expect to get what you, you know, come out. Right. Right. That's true. And thank thank goodness on some levels, like, (laughs) thank goodness, because I didn't put any money in that vending machine. (laughs) (laughs) And I started to go, oh my goodness, this is real. This is real and true and firm, you know, and um, but there definitely, there's still times, you know, when he feels far away, but then I do get into the Bible and I do start reading scripture and going, okay, you said that you would never leave me or forsake me. So you must be right here. And I need to feel you right now. I need, I need something, um, to feel you a song, a picture, a bird, a, you know, anything, uh, to feel you right now. And I just believe, you know, if you're listening and you're in that place, like, you just got to ask him. You just got to ask him. And he, he's already right there surrounding you. Um, you just got to ask him that you would be able to feel it and to see it. And, and in my experience, he, uh, every time I did that, every single time I did that, I felt something. Something happened that I knew he's real and he's right here with me. And so I would just give that encouragement. Like, the minute you really cry out for it, he will answer. He will answer. I love the um, the way that you know when people describe him as such a perfect gentleman. Yes. Like he's never going to force his way into your heart. He's just always waiting for your invitation to yeah. come. And I love that. And I, and I think sometimes in our grief, because it's so heavy, um, that we need sometimes to be forced to do things, but that's not, he's not going to do that. He's going to sit and wait. He's going to sit and wait for you to come. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Um, so one of the things that we talk about in our ministry is sharing our story and how it helps us to grieve. So I know that you talk about that in your book. And so just share with us, why do you find it so necessary? Yeah, it's really because otherwise I won't let it out. Like I really will go through my days and lock it all up tight and move on. I got things to do. We got places to go. We got work to get done. We got children to take care of. And, um, I really will kind of just box it away. Um, and you know, that, that really doesn't, that really doesn't help anyone, right? Like I can, I can do that if I choose. And once again, God will allow me to do that. Yes. But then you know, that doesn't really help someone else who's going through it. And when you look at Jesus and you look at, at the things he did, he was always kind of going out of his way, right? To stopping to see this person, going there to see that person, answering their call, Jesus, you know, you know, save me, help me. And, and so if we claim to be Christians, if we claim to follow Jesus Christ, then we don't get to just go about our lives, right? Like we are called to help others see him. He's not here anymore. He left us in charge. <laughs> like kind of like we're, we're the ministry now. We're Jesus uh, now representation. And so we need, um, you know, we're called. It's what he asks of us. And so he has made this huge atonement, right? For our sins. And he's given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Really? Like, wow. Like the Holy Spirit and really, so I'm going to say, well, cool. Thanks. Like, that's a really cool thing. Myself. <laughs> yeah, that's really sweet. I'm going to keep it all to myself. And um, thanks for that, you know, and just kind of go on. And, and so we have to, we have to kind of turn it and pour it out. But let me tell you, Kelly, it took me a long, long time uh, to do that. Um, because I really felt like God was asking me to do that. Yes. You know, within a year or two maybe about the second year or so, I really felt like he was saying like, I really need you to help other moms. I really need you out there helping other moms. And I was like, you can't see me on the bed. I'm like crossing my arms like a child in the grocery store. Like, no, <laughs> Here, get up off that floor. And I was like, nope. <laughs> I was the child like laid out. Like, <laughs> ah. The parent is dragging across the floor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that was me. And, and so I was really told God, no, for a long time, it's too much. That's what I said to him. Like, it's too much. You can't ask me to do that too. Like, this is hard enough. You've, you, you know, I'm living here without my child and I'm trying to raise another one and loving on my husband and, 
and all of this, it's enough. Like it's enough. It's too much for you to ask me to do that too. And, um, it took him a long time to break through that stubbornness of mine. <laughs> and I, you know, I also think it took some healing. It took some spiritual growth. Like I was brand new in my faith and I really had to figure out who was God and, and who was Jesus. And the more I got to know who Jesus really is and who God really is, his heart for us, then it became, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. It's hard. I'll do it. And then it took me a couple more years. <laughs> I said, okay, fine, I'll do it. And then I took my sweet time getting there. Getting there, yes. I'm, I'm, I mean, the same whenever he asked us to do this ministry, it was my husband was in confession and a priest asked him if we would come talk. And mm -hmm. it, this is, this was like eight years after Emma passed away. And I, Ryan came home with the number and I was like, oh, that sounds like a great idea, but I'm not calling him back. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like everywhere I went, whereas I had never before had really known anyone besides my friend, Missy, that I was sharing with you earlier, um, that lost her daughter, Isley, I didn't really know anyone. And then all of a sudden, like he asked this of us and everywhere I went, there was oh. someone who had lost a child. Oh. And after probably about, I don't know, the 10th person that came in front of me, I was like, okay, I get it. I'm going to call Father Brady back and I'm going to do what you asked me, but I'm not too happy about it. Right? <laughs> so yeah. Still sledging around. Right. It, uh, it kind of happened the opposite a little bit for me, uh, where, you know, I really did feel like he was asking me to write this book. Right. Um, and I didn't want to do that, but then he, he kind of was just like putting it on my heart. Like, what if I put her on your doorstep? Like you're talking about, like what, if you ran into her, you know, what, if you, if you encounter these moms, are you really telling me that you would say, ah, no, sorry, it's too hard. I can't help you. <laughs> are yeah. you really going to tell these moms? No. Uh, I was like, Oh no, of course I wouldn't. Like if they showed up at my door, I would help them. And he was like, uh, okay, then how about you write the book? And that's uh, why he asked you to do it because he knew you would say yes. Eventually, <laughs> eventually. <laughs> well, if you were forced, you to do it. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah, he put me in timeout until I. Funny. Oh, the next question that I think I was so excited to ask you, uh, which is something huge that we do, we love to help couples of loss, um, specifically because the divorce rate is high when someone loses a child. Um, so just, just help us to, uh, to answer this question. Why is communication essential when navigating the grieving process with the spouse? Oh. And then maybe some tips that help you and Devin. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they, people was probably, you've probably heard people say it uh, a gazillion times over, right? That everybody grieves differently and the grieving process is different for everybody. And, and I think that's all true, but I think there's enough of it in common you know, that, that you and your husband have enough in common to start there, right? Like, okay, the, the days are going to be hard for you. Christmas, right? Father's Day, Mother's Day, birthdays, um, anniversaries, things like that. Um, the triggers are going to be the same, you know, the ambulance is a trigger. Um, and so, you know, you're going to have a lot of these similarities. And so I think starting there, talking about those similarities is, is good. Um, and, but I really think asking some questions like, what do you want to do for his birthday, right? Like, do you want to do something? Do you want to just like get away? Do you want to bake a cake? You want to let balloons in the air? Like, you know, just really asking your spouse, like, what do you want to do? Um, and then um, for us, it is a lot of letting the freedom of doing that. Okay. So a lot of times Devin and I are on the same page with a lot of these things, but if we weren't, I know that he would say, uh, if he didn't want to bake a cake and do the balloons and everything on Austin's birthday, which neither he nor I like to do. But if one of us did, the other would say, you go ahead and do that, you know, but I'm, I'm not coming. You know what I mean? Because I can't. Mm -hmm. And so we, we have given each other a lot of freedom to say, mm -mm, nope, that's not, I can't do that. Like that's, I don't want to do that. And so I think that communication and, and really just allowing your spouse, like, because I can see that happening in marriages where you're like, 
what do you mean? We're not going to make a cake and have balloons on Austin's birthday. Of course, we're going to have cake and, you know, balloons on Austin's birthday. Right. Yeah. Like I can see that happening. And so I guess that that's probably the number one piece of advice we would give is allow that freedom. Um, you know, give that compassion and grace to your spouse, right? If you encountered another mom like me who would say, Oh no, I, I can't, I, I, I just can't, I can't do the birthday cake and the balloons on his birthday. I just can't. I want to take a long walk on the beach on his birthday and not talk to another human being, <laughs> um, you know? And so you would give compassion and grace and to another parent who is grieving, you would say, Oh, that's okay. You do what you need to do. Right. Yes. But our spouse, I think we're tend to think they should do the same thing, you know, cause we parent together, right? Like we do parenting things on the same page. Yes. But with grief, I think you need to allow that page to be different. Uh, if you, you know, to the extent you can. So and we also have different love languages. So I know the, the, what, what speaks to Ryan, Ryan's, uh, he likes to spend time. Yeah. My, my love language is gifts and words of affirmation. Ah. So even just in our normal everyday marriage, it, you know, we have to love each other differently. Yeah. Um, and so our grief is the same. Like we, we have to grieve differently. I know one of the big things with, um, us was that we did not communicate, um, as much as we needed to. And so like we were trying to, well, really it was, Ryan was trying to be stoic more than I was. I was a basket case, but um, he would cry all the way to work and all the way home. But when he'd get home, he wouldn't talk to me about it. And I really struggled with this because I didn't feel that he loved our children as much as I did because I was on the floor falling apart and he was going to work and, just taking care of the things that he needed to. And I couldn't do any of that. Um, so the, the biggest tip I always give everyone is regardless of what that looks like, you have to talk about it. Communication is the key to everything. Yeah. And like you said, the freedom, like in the grace and the, just the mercy, the same, the same that we would ask for others. We need to be able to give to our spouse. Sure. I think that's really common um, for, for spouses to hide it hide it from each other. Um, because you're, you know, you, you know that their heart is just as shattered into tiny bits as yours. You know, you know that they want, you know, they're, even if he's not on the floor with you, he's on the floor, like, you know it, but you, but you hide it from each other. Um, we still do it. We still do it. We still hide when we have bad days. Um, but we're more likely for the other person to break through that. You know what I mean? Like to meet from ego. Hey, like <laughs> I feel like you're hiding a little bit, and and for him to do the same with me to say, hey, listen, like, are you, what's going on? You know, and so I would encourage you to do that a little bit. Um, you know, as you go through the grieving process, to to touch your spouse a little bit and uh, not poke, right? Like there's a, there's a fine line there between like allowing them the freedom to grieve the way they need to and kind of poking them a little bit and saying, Hey, like I'm your partner, right? Like let's, let's have um, some open communication here, but it's super, super hard. I think. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm constantly, I, I like to write and I'm, I communicate better when I write. So Ryan knows this about me, about how he has to come and say like, are you okay? And then I'm like, like whatever I say. So sometimes he literally like wraps his arms around me and looks at me and he's like, you, we need to talk about this. I can't, <laughs> it's gotten to the point where he knows like just ignoring it is going to make it worse. So he's become intentional about breaking down my wall because I still sometimes build those just out of self-preservation. I don't, you don't intend to do it, but it just, it happens. It's a, definitely a personality thing. <laughs> Yeah, I think so too. Um, and we, we must have similar personalities because that's me too. I'll put up that wall because I'm having a really bad day instead of the opposite, right? Like, and I'll, I like, I like that wall there. It keeps me safe. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, okay. So another thing that your book includes, which I think is so beautiful, your husband wrote a letter to wives in mourning. Oh, that's so beautiful. So it is so beautiful. Us, tell us about that. Well, I really, um, 
I can't claim the idea. It was actually somebody else's idea. In fact, this will tell you a little bit about the walls we were just talking about. So when I submitted the book uh, to Moody Publishers, my editor, it did not have a chapter about marriage or siblings. So there was nothing in this book about Devin or Ethan. And my sweet editor, her name is Judy Dunnigan, and I think she's amazing um, in many ways. But she said, um, Kim, <laughs> I think people are going to wonder a little bit about your marriage and, and Ethan and how you parent, you know, going forward and, and how your marriage. And I was like, oh, like, I didn't want to open up all of that, right? Like, I didn't want to have all the walls down and let everybody see everything. Um, but she really did encourage me. Like the book is really not complete, um, without that. And I was like, Oh, fine. You're right. All right. Um, and she said, and would Devin think about writing a little something in there? And I said, well, I don't know, but I can ask him, you know? And, and so that's how the idea was born. And, you know, as I started to think about the marriage chapter and talking with Devin about it and, asked him if he would write something. He was like, well, it probably won't be any good, but I can write it, you know? <laughs> of course, the typical kind of man response, like, oh, really? It sounds um, like something Ryan would say. Right. Like, downplaying his gifts. And he has, they always have these beautiful assets that God have given him, these beautiful gifts, and they're like, mm, yeah. let's show anybody that. <laughs> right, let's not show them that. Let's just show them the macho man stuff, right? For yeah. sure. And um, yeah, so he wrote that letter. I, I said, just like, you know, we've been through this now, at least at like 11, 12 years by the time, well, probably 11 years by the time we started trying to write this book. And, you know, we just like, what tips would you give her? Like how, just think about her and picture her husband and just tell her, give her some advice, you know? And so that's how it started. And, and um you know, I just giggled when I read it too, because I'm like, oh my goodness, that's so true. <laughs> um, the, just that freedom, you know, that they're going to need. And I think men especially are, they want to be strong for you and they want to be strong for the family. And so I think they do need uh, maybe even more freedom than we need uh, to grieve and grieve their own way. Um, and so there, that's a lot of the advice in there is, is what I love that he said, um, one of my favorite uh, phrases that he said in, in that letter is that your love is stronger than your loss. Oh, that's so beautiful. And that is huge, right? Because nothing feels bigger than this loss, right? Nothing feels bigger than the loss of a child. But when he said it, I was like, that's true. Love is stronger than this. Love is bigger than this. Love is bigger than your loss. Absolutely. And it's true, right? I was like, oh, Devin, that's just so good. <laughs> that's why you're my guy. <laughs> and that, so just cool. that one line, like they say just few words and it's like so profound. <laughs> it's like, right. just like 10 paragraphs to say something like that. <laughs> right. Sure would have. Oh, that's so great. So he's got some advice in there and I love it. The, the advice, um, one of the things I, I know is in there is to remember that, you know, you're still you're still a family. You're still a husband and wife. You're still a family. Um, and you just got to remember that and do one thing at a time. And so that's kind of our little motto around here is, uh, you know, stepping forward. We're going to, we're going to try to step forward just one step. And so that's our, um, our little motto around the Erickson house is we're stepping forward. Um, because it's really easy to dwell in the past to feel, Oh my goodness, the mom guilt or the parent guilt. I know there's plenty of dad guilt um, when you lose a child too. Um, and so you can tend to stay back here and remember all the things that you wish you'd done and you wish you could change and you do it differently. And you have all that back there bigger when you lose a child, you know? And so you really have to make a concerted effort to like step forward, go that way. And so that's our motto that comes from Devin as well as stepping forward. Yep. We click our coffee mugs in the morning or stepping forward. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful that y'all do that. Um, I really, and another thing too, like I really love, um, because not only is it your story, it also helps, um, parents, with the, let me see how it says. 
that you were, you wanted a book that told you not just how to grieve, but how to live, which I don't know if I've ever read, read a book that shared that aspect, but I get these questions a lot in our ministry, you know, like, how do I go to the grocery store? Like all like what it's almost like an emergency kit. I I think that you have provided for these moms, like this is what to do in these situations. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Cause I think that's what, um, at least that's felt like my experience, um, is that there were books about grieving, right? And the stages of grief, there were books about healing. There's books about Jesus in your, in your pain. And then there's even in grief, like how Jesus can help you through your grief. But like you said, like, I really needed to know, like, how I'm going to get through the grocery store. Um, what do I say when people ask me how many kids I have? And they're just making small talk. They don't know me. Yeah. Um, and, and so there's a, that's what I felt like was missing. Like, how, what do I, how do I know when to pack up his stuff? How to pack up his stuff? What do I do with this stuff? You know, like, yeah. and so I really felt like I needed a book on how to go on living. Um, and so I hope that surviving sorrow is a book about living and not really a book about grieving. It's, I hope it turns that corner really quickly. Like, here's what you're going to feel in your grief, but okay, now what are we going to do about it? Yes. Um, so I hope, and then there's that spiritual step in there too, that I hope is, is a, a guiding, you know, force in your grief journey too. Absolutely. I like what we say, cause we do, we focus on the psychological, emotional, relational, and, and the spiritual Um, because not until I really focused on my saving, like my soul, like being united back with God, did the emotional and the psychological kind of go away The um, I suffered a lot with anxiety and depression, you know, after our loss, um, I would, I would even have flashbacks of how like Estelle, well, not flashbacks. I would even have like these moments to where I could like identify in that situation, how Estelle would die too. And this was affecting my life. I was afraid of everything. And, um, I, I just, I needed, I needed something that would stop all of this, but it wasn't until I found my faith and I found, um, myself back in union with God that all of that went away. Yeah. And we're not meant to survive child loss. God does not want that to happen. Although he does, he wants us to thrive is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I might've said it poorly, but um, right. we're not meant to just survive. We're meant to thrive. And that's what God wants us whole back, you know, wholly back with him, back in union. Yeah. And nothing with him. Yeah. I think that's true. I, I, you know, people ask, you know, like I couldn't do it or I don't, I don't think I could do it. Or I, and, and I, it is all about the spiritual aspect for, for me as well. And I think that's, you know, I think that's really true. I don't know where I would be or how I would have handled it, but I do know every time I cry out to God, he, something happens to me, right? That, like you said, that the grief feels different. It feels a little more peaceful. It feels a little lighter. It feels like I'm not panicked, right? Or I'm not having fears or the, I call it the replay because your mind can replay those scenes in your head. And I haven't yet met a grieving parent who doesn't have the replay Mm -hmm. of the last scenes or some sort of scenes in their head. And, um, you know, those are really tough to set down. And I think uh, there's a lot of people out there who deal with it more aggressively, right? Like you talked about your fears and anxiety, Mm-hmm. Um, my husband really has struggled with that more than I have. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I, but I think the extent that I can push it away and I can make it like, make it stop and make it stop. Is, that was my cry to the Lord to, yeah. to make those not up. It was when I would close my eyes at night to go to sleep. So then I was terrified of, of the nighttime because I would have these nightmares. I'd, and like you, like I just cried out to God, like I can't, I, I'm miserable because I need to sleep. Yeah. But I'm afraid to close my eyes. Oh, yeah. And he just, you know, he, he can wait, you know. And, and so I guess I would also, you know, say to those people who are out there who are, feel like they're close to God, right? Like they're still, they're, uh, they are close to God and yet they're still suffering from those, those panic attacks and that anxiety. Um, I would just encourage you to keep fighting you know, keep fighting if, cause I know I have a few friends who are, 
oh, I would just call it right in God's pocket. Like they, they are so close to the Lord, but they're still fighting this anxiety and the fears and the, the panic attacks and the, just the visuals and, and they're, they've cried out to God. They're like, give, I did. And he didn't answer, you know? And I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh, I know he will. Like he will, he will. We don't know when, but he will. And so I would just encourage you to keep fighting. Like just, you know, keep talking to people about it. Um, See a doctor, see a counselor, talk to your pastor, talk to your priest, talk to a girlfriend, just start, keep talking about it because the more we talk about it, the less power it has. And absolutely. And the last thing that the enemy wants is for us to, to bring it to the light. That's right. When we keep bringing it to the light, that's when our wounds are healed. Yeah. Perfect. That's true. Well, awesome. So we're going to, we're going to close up, but I want you to tell us about your, about when it's going to be published, where to find information and just any last thoughts. Oh, thank you. Um, so yeah, it's surviving sour. I don't know if I can like, yeah, the cover so beautiful. I was, I couldn't believe it. Of course, I don't have any part of that. I don't have any artistic. (laughs) So uh, I do love the cover. Um, It is called Surviving Sorrow, A Mother's Guide to Living with Loss. And it will release officially on March 3rd. So a couple weeks. And um, you can pre-order now and things like that. But you can find it really anywhere online. It's um, on Amazon, on Moody Publishers, uh, ChristianBooks.com, Barnes & Noble. You know, so anywhere you buy your books, uh, you can find it there and pre-order. Um, I'm also going to be doing a Facebook group to kind of go along with the book. Oh, and just as people start to pick it up and they have questions, um, you know, they just need a little extra support. I'm going to go ahead and create. It's not there yet, but I'm going to. <laughs> I'm going to make a, now I'm saying it for real. Ah, I'm saying it out loud. Um, I'm going to make a Facebook group uh, called Surviving Sorrow that where you can reach out and get some help if you're reading the book and you, you need some help. So um, Absolutely. I hope that gives people out there encouragement. I hope it blesses you. And I pray that the Lord would just be super close to you. My favorite verse is Psalm 34, 18. And it says this, and this is your promise to all the grieving parents out there. Uh, Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And he saves those who are, who are crushed in spirit. And so if that's how you feel today, just know that the Lord is so close to you and he saves us when we're crushed in spirit. So I pray that you will feel his presence today. Absolutely. Well, thank you uh, for joining us. And I have loved meeting you. If you hang tight, uh, we'll finish up you and I, but just to all of our listeners, thank you for joining us. And I hope you have a blessed day. Thank you. Thank you for listening today to the Grieving Together show. Our hope is that you were able to find comfort in your grieving journey. To find out more about what resources and events Redbird Ministries has to offer, please visit us at www.redbird.love or visit us on Facebook or Instagram. Please make sure that you subscribe to our email list so that you can stay current on what is offered. If our show has touched your heart and you would like to make a charitable donation, you can do so on our website at www.redbird.love donate. Lastly, if you would like to sponsor an episode, please reach out to us at kelly at redbird.love. We leave you today in the two hearts. May God protect you and keep you and God bless you.